Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and success strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. Uh, this segment is sponsored by BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I. They are the industry standard for facilities and property management education. Check them out at BOMI.org. Well, we have another very interesting show for you today. We're going to talk about financing. And I think one of the things to think about financing, is it a signal or a catalyst of what is coming down the pike? You know, what everybody's concerned about how long this cycle is going to last. What are rates going to do? What is the economy going to do? How, where, where are we in the cycle? And I think when we look at uh, lenders who obviously take a very close look at the market, it might give us some signs. So please welcome my guest. It's Tom Fink. And Tom is Senior Vice President, and he's Managing Director with TREP. And he's joining us on the phone. Tom, good to talk to you again. Michael, it's great to be on the show again. Thanks for inviting me. Well, thank you, Tom. And uh, if you guys haven't checked out TREP, their website's TREP, T-R-E-P-P dot com. Check them out for all their, their services. And, uh, and Tom, you know, as I talked about in the opening, you know, I think a lot of people are concerned about where we are in the cycle, what are rates going to do. You know, when you, you've been in this business for a long time, watching uh, the financing end, especially of commercial real estate, uh, is there any correlation between what lenders are doing and, and, and where we are in the cycle? And, and do, do lenders underwriting and things kind of impact the market? I, I, think, I think lenders can impact the market. Um, and I think there has been a lot of impact over the last couple of years, uh, particularly on the construction side. But what I find fascinating is that Regardless of where, uh, you know, the Fed may lean or the regulators may lean on one type of lending, there's so much capital available in the market, both debt and equity, that new financing vehicles come into play. And a project that has a determined equity sponsor is going to find the financing it needs over time. Um, financing, the, the drying up of capital um, has not in general been the cause of uh, any the end of any real estate cycle. In fact, if we look at the last recession, you know, the big financial crisis of 07, 08, you know, lenders were actively lending right up until the point where, you know, the market just sort of imploded on itself. And that was particularly true on the construction side. Um, you know, people were extending credit on the single-family side way past the point where market fundamentals supported some of the valuations that were out there. Well, are lenders going to be more cautious this time, or are our memories uh, evaporated? <laughs> um, I think people are trying to people are trying to be disciplined. All right, mm -hmm. I will give them credit for that. But on the flip side, you have very sophisticated borrowers. You know, there's a lot of institutional capital on both sides of the table, both asking for money and lending money. Um, so, you know, you're going to see for certain large borrowers, you're going to see some pressure on terms and conditions. Um, and I think you're seeing that in the market now. There are some covenants, there are some pushing of some of the debt service numbers, but I don't think anybody wants to be uh, caught with poorly underwritten projects when the next recession hits, regardless of how mild it may be. 
Right, and you mentioned some of these new sources. So is that an impact and is that a concern for traditional lenders as they're trying to do what they do? Is it making them push that coverage ratio or, or loan to value or some of these covenants? Is it really impacting them that there's more sources for capital today? I think right now a lot of the new sources of capital are filling a gap where because of the pressure um, from the regulators to hold down the amount of construction and development lending, um, which was a big source of the problem the last go-around, that lending is what's winding up in some of these new uh, alternative vehicles. Uh, and the people that are running them um, are, you know, extremely sophisticated um, and are veterans of the last couple of real estate cycles. I mean, I look at the senior, you know, the senior finance people at, at some of the, you know, the mortgage REITs uh, that are lending in the commercial real estate space, some of the PE firms that are lending in commercial real estate. And these are people that have been around a while. They've seen a couple of cycles. Um, they're making what they think are good loans right now, but they have the chops to, to do the workout if it, if it absolutely becomes necessary. Yeah. And I think they're also aware with that much experience, uh, and uh, I assume they're all experienced if they're lending money on commercial real estate, that uh, if this cycle does come to an end, it's not going to be like the last one. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't, I don't think, we clearly don't have the overbuilding uh, that we had in the 90s. Uh, when in the, the 80s, you know, when the Japanese were pouring money into projects and you know, uh, and big office buildings were going up in non-traditional markets. Uh, those, you know, that kind of construction hasn't taken place. I mean, even you look at New York City and Hudson Yards, which is, you know, a massive real estate development. It's, I think the number I saw is it's adding a total of 2% to the supply of commercial office space in the city. Um, and, you know, it's adding a bunch of housing units, but then you have Amazon announcing that, you know, they're going to take up a big position in Long Island City. Um, you know, so that is going to be absorbing a lot of that space. I think there's there's going to be plenty of jobs in New York. I think there's going to be plenty of demand for commercial real estate. I think there's going to be plenty of demand for housing. It's a question of whether we can deliver uh, the supply at all the different price points that need to be out there. Yeah. Well, let's talk about regulations. You know, are the regulators maybe being too tough on some of these lenders. You know, I talked to uh, Brian Bailey with the Fed, and sometimes I know it's his job, their job, to be be cautious. Uh, but are they overcautious looking back at, you know, what happened in, in the last cycle? As you mentioned, you know, we have a strong economy. We don't have the overbuilding. Uh, do we have too much regulation? Is it just right? What, what are your uh, lender clients telling you? Um, well, the lenders will always, you know, my lender clients will always tell me there's too much regulation. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the reasons right. you have some of these alternative capital sources coming right. about is they're, they're regulated under a different regime um, and without the, the same level of, of um, you know, mandated capital so you can adjust your capital to reflect the risks that you think you're taking in the business. Um, you know, is there too much regulation? Not enough regulation. I'm. I, I always think regulators try to do too much. Um, they try to to cover every potentiality, and quite frankly, people are creative. They're going to look. The more complicated the set of the rules, 
the more people you have invested in finding the loopholes in it. Um, and that's what people will look for. Right. And that's what people will will try to, to go around. And if you know you can't get money through a traditional bank channel, it's going to go elsewhere. That's why we have the whole alternative finance business. Um, is there's a demand for capital. Uh, the cost of regulation makes the capital too high. And by using um, you know a more uh, a less formal regulatory regime, you're able to better m- match capital to demand at a more reasonable price. Right. Um, do people go overboard in the other direction? Of course they do. Mm-hmm. Um, remember, lenders are there to lend money. They're not there to buy treasury bills. Um, <laughs> you know, people that run equity funds for real estate are there to buy real estate. They're not there to sit and buy treasury bills. Um, so there is an incentive in the structure to put money to work. Uh, I think the hardest thing for a lender or a property investor is to say, you know what, the market's too rich, I'm going to sit on the sidelines. Because, you know, until the market decides, yeah, things are overpriced, we're going to have a correction, you know, you wind up trailing your benchmarks. Right. We're talking with Tom Fink with Trip and Trap. And, and Tom, uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room. That is rates. You know, what, what are you hearing? What are you seeing for rates uh, going into 2019? What do you expect? Well, I think your rates are going to continue to drift up. I don't think you're going to see a huge spike up because I think, you know, to be perfectly honest, I think the Fed's afraid of being accused of triggering a recession by raising rates too quickly and too high. Um, you know, when you look at the current 10-year Treasury, I think that, you know, people are people's view is skewed by when they came in and started working uh, and when they first came into the market. Um you know, look, I'm, I've been, like you, you've observed a couple times, I've been doing this for more than a year or two. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I remember when, you know, interest rates were 16 17%. <laughs> um, and business was still getting done. Uh, people were finding a way to, to make it work. Uh, so the current level of interest rates, if you take a long-term view, isn't unreason- is reasonable. Um, yeah, it's 5% higher than 4.5%. Sure it is. Does 50 basis points make a difference on some marginal loans? Yeah, it will. But, you know, the question you have to ask yourself is, you know, can I walk, can I, can I actively step away from this loan? I mean, if 50 basis points makes or breaks a loan, you always have to ask yourself, should I be making this loan in the first place? Right. Or should you be borrowing the money in the first place? Yeah. <laughs> right. All right, we're going to take a short break. When we get back, I want to ask Tom about what he feels about the length of this cycle. You know, where are we? And then also talk about some of the sectors. So if some people are concerned maybe there's some overbuilding in certain areas, we'll get to that after the break. Stay with us. I'm Michael Bull. This is America's Commercial Real Estate Show. Would you like to be the top producing commercial broker in your office? Check out Michael Bull's video training. Since you're a show listener, you receive 10% off your first purchase. At checkout, use discount code CREshow. Visit commercialagentsuccess.com. Are you looking for proven property management and facilities management education? Visit BOMI.org. That's B-O-M-I, Building Owners and Managers Institute International. They are the trusted source for education in the property and facilities industry. Visit BOMI.org. 
Are you looking to buy, sell, or lease commercial real estate? You're invited to contact Bull Realty for customized asset and occupancy solutions. Call 404-876-1640 or visit bullrealty.com. Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. It is cloud-based video training for commercial agents. Check it out at CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Today we're talking about the financing market, the capital stack. Boy, does it have such an, an important role in commercial real estate. My guest is Tom Fink, and he is Senior Vice President and Managing Director with TREP. And Tom, um, one of the things I think is on everyone's mind is how long are these good times going to last? You certainly have your finger on the pulse, especially with all the, the clients and people you talk with every day. What do you say? You know, there have been a lot of people that try to guess what inning we're in. There are different ways of phrasing it. I think we're well advanced in the cycle, um, but I don't know if we're at a point where property and commercial real estate is seriously overvalued or overextended. Um, you know, I mean, you remember, I mean, I remember, and I'm sure you remember back in 07 and 08, you know, when property values just skyrocketed. And um, I was always saying to people, uh, well, we'll never see, pro I don't think we'll ever see property values get back to these levels. I don't think I'll see it the rest of my career. Well, I was wrong. Property levels have surpassed the level of 07 and 08, which means two, one of two things. One is I should have retired by now. Uh, <laughs> or two is I'm a lousy prognosticator. Um, it's probably the latter. Um, but when I look at the long-term trend, I don't think properties are overvalued right now. I really don't. Um, are people stretching the envelope to get maximize the dollars they're getting out of it? Yes. Um, but there is still an awful lot of very sophisticated capital on all sides of the capital stack. I don't see any silly money at this point. Um, and I'm talking to, you know, people that are running, you know, mixed books at insurance companies, mortgage REITs, private equity firms, asset management companies that are doing a huge chunk of commercial real estate and other alternative assets. Um, the market is not, I don't think it's seriously overvalued like it was in 07 and 08. Um, so if we do, what's going to trigger a, a, uh, the end of the cycle is when the economy enters a recession. And because, and that's going to, and the reason I say that is a recession will, start to create a drop in demand for commercial real estate. Now, it will not be uniform across the board. It will not be uniform uh, by markets. It won't be uniform by property type. Um, I mean, right now, I would argue that in many retail markets, we're already way past the peak of the cycle. We're in a downturn, uh, particularly for, you know, um, you know, you're, you're, What's the right way to put it? I guess they call them B and C malls, but your your middle of the, your middle market mall that depended on a couple of department stores as anchors to drive traffic into the whole mall. That whole sector has been decimated. I mean, we've got Sears talking about complete bankruptcy and folding its doors, which would take Kmart with it. Uh, we're talking about a number of the department stores continuing to have 
problems with their business model and their strategies. Um, you know, so that diversified retailer, that department store mentality of you have a little bit of everything, I think that's the retail model that's under a lot of pressure. Yeah, and of course there's some retail that's doing really well in some areas and some property types. Retail is, is just doing ex- splendid. So are some lenders kind of bulking all retail together and kind of staying away from it? Or are lenders really looking at each deal very carefully uh, and still doing I think doing lenders retail? look at each deal very carefully. I yeah. don't think, um, I think there is probably uh, credit policies that say we're going to take a closer look at retail. Uh, just like when, you know, if you've got a market that's overbuilding on, you know, high-rise condos, uh, yeah, we're going to look more closely at high-rise condos. Right. Uh, we're going to be a little more stringent, but that doesn't mean we're going to blacklist a property type. Right. You know, the only property type, you know, looking at the market that has, people have just pulled away from and not come back to is the hotel sector mm-hmm. and lodging. You have some very strong lenders in that space. You have some very dedicated investors in that space, but you don't have people um, making hotel loans just because it's a piece of commercial real estate. Um, the people that are in that market now, I think, are specialists. I think the same thing in student housing. Um, so there are some specialty property types that you're not going to find in the general purpose commercial real estate portfolio. Um, so that's what I think. Yeah, and I think that's smart business, right? Uh, yeah. Know, yeah, the lenders should stay you know, in their strike zone. Yeah, I think there's a, mis- there's a misconception, uh, and I see it for people that are not in the market, they think commercial real estate is just, you know, it's a single asset class. Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I both know that, you know, it's like every other business, there's specialties within specialties. And let's talk about multifamily. I think some people are concerned maybe there's some overbuilding in certain markets. What do lenders think? What do you see? Um, I think at the high end, we're definitely in some markets we're overbuilt. Um, It's getting harder and harder to move uh, things at the top of the market. Um, There's still flight capital coming in from around the world. I mean, owning a piece of real estate in New York is still, you know, the perception is it's still a long-term bank account, um, and you know that's good for New York. Uh, but I think if you go beyond the top of the market, there is a serious need for, you know, workforce housing, affordable housing, middle-income housing, whatever, you, however you want to put it. But just more variety in the price points in the housing stock. Um, you know, look, I mean, in New York City. Uh, you know, uh, a low to moderate income is up to like eighty thousand mm-hmm. um, dollars. But you need those kind of property because there's an awful lot of people that you know are trying to make it in New York City that aren't pulling down anywhere near six figures. Um, so you've got people that are, you know piling two to three different incomes into an apartment and sharing space because it's the only way you can afford an apartment. Uh, but I think there's definitely a need for more diversified price points in the housing market, particularly in the middle to lower ends of the sector. And I'm not talking about low-income subsidized housing. I'm talking about people that um, live in an apartment because that's what they can afford. Um, so it's it's the 
not rent by choice, but rent out of necessity. Right. Um, and I think, you know, there's a lot of organizations, uh, I think Freddie and Fannie are both uh, trying to find a way to increase the capital in those markets. Um, and you know what? Some of those can be nice cash-flowing properties. I mean, you get them rented up, and people are going to be there a while. And you take care of it so that it's a nice, comfortable place to live. And, you know, it'll, 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 you'll be, you'll be clipping coupons for a long time, which, you know, when you look at real estate, what does real estate give you as an investor? Current cash plus an inflation hedge. Exactly. And I think, uh, multifamily is interesting. I had a, um, client who develops all types of properties, uh, retail office and multifamily. And he had started in multifamily and it was in the last downturn. He was having some issues with his retail properties. And he told me, he said, Michael, he said, never again, I'm going to stay with multifamily. Multifamily is simple. If your vacancy starts going up, lower your rents. You're good to go. Right? It's pretty straightforward. Well, I want to ask you, Tom, you know, you're, you're in the middle of the financing world. What are lenders uh, concerned about right now? Or is there anything out there? Is it the economy? Is it rising rates? Is it competition? What concerns lenders? Well, I think competition is a big concern. Um, I think there is so much money in commercial real estate that it's, you know, it's it's not like shooting fish in a barrel anymore. Um, you have to be, you have to bring your A game all the time. Um, and I think for some lenders that's a bit of a change. Um, and I think people are just trying to stay on top of credit concerns. They don't want to give up too many covenants. They don't want to give up an ability to do recourse uh, and go back to the parent to squeeze them to put more money in a project. Um, and obviously on the borrower side, they're looking for as much non-recourse as possible because if <laughs> if the business of a particular piece of real estate goes down, they want to be able to get out of it if that's the rational decision. I think that's something we've seen a lot of on the retail side. You know, some of the big developers, they're very, very disciplined about you know, continuing to evaluate their portfolio. And if a property starts to decline and they think they're not going to be able to um, invest enough money to bring it back to a, a profitable level, they'll let that sucker go. <laughs> they'll, they'll put it back to the lenders and say, here, this is your problem now. What do you I've see? Enough. And what do you see, Tom, for delinquency right now? Is it, uh, what's the trend there? The trends have been, Michael, delinquencies are, are I don't want to say, they're not at record lows. But they're way down, and they continue, um, even though there's been some spike up in delinquencies uh, in certain markets and certain property subtypes, um, overall delinquencies continue to be benign. Good. Tom, what would you leave our audience with uh, to maybe talking to a lender or a borrower today? Um, Be skeptical. If it sounds too good, it probably is. Always good advice. Tom, thank you for joining us today. We appreciate uh, your intel, sir. Michael, it's always a pleasure to talk to you and your and your audience. Thank you. Have a great holiday season. You too. Well, um, thank you for joining us around the world, around the country. Thanks for uh, checking in with us on Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. And thanks for uh, sharing the show. And until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn, and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show.
America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty, Asset and Occupancy Solutions, BOMI.org, Property and Facility Management Education, CommercialAgentSuccess.com, Video Training from Michael Bull. To access these great companies or for more videos, podcasts, and articles, visit CREshow.com.